Hey, hey, hey. What's the fuss and tell me what's happening? This is Pyromaniac Mo coming at you from episode 7. This is H22 2015. This is the Pyro Light Podcast, and once again, I am graced with Mr. Houdini. How are you, sir? Doing great. Great to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. The outpour was amazing. Fans lining up saying, we want more Houdini, and so we're going to bring you to the masses. Um, before we get going here, just uh, since we should let everyone know, we are not probably pouring any Valverdes since it is in the AM hours. But I will say, recently, um, I went up to Traverse City, did some kayaking, and I went to Rare Bird Brewing, and they had a really nice porter. They're right along the river. Uh, we kayaked the Boardman Lake into the Boardman River. You can um, portage, get out, and walk to about, oh, nine, ten breweries. So it was a fantastic time. A Rare Bird Brewing, if you get up there, they're just off the river. Had an excellent porter, good music. Great staff, really enjoyed it. I tell you, I'm also a fan of a good porter. So uh, I, I know I'm usually an Imperial Stout or an IPA guy, but I do love a good porter. How does that porter compare to one of my all-time favorites, the Edmund Fitzgerald by Great Lakes? I've had the Edmund Fitzgerald. I, that one's probably a bit better. That's a good one. Uh, but the Rare Bird, it was good. Chocolatey, um, chocolatey overtones, a little bit of coffee taste to it. it. It was really, really good, smooth as well. Another one I like is the Bells Porter. Uh, in fact, I'm going there tonight to see uh, Keller Williams' Grateful Grass. He uh, plays basically Grateful Dead music with a bunch of his buddies doing it bluegrass style. So he's got a guy from Tea Leaf Green and uh, Jeff Austin, who is a, a legend on the bluegrass circuit. Nice. So they're going back to the roots of, uh, of Jerry Garcia, who started as a bluegrass player playing up in uh, the Appalachian Mountains. And uh, yep. also, have have you listened to his album, Olden in the Way? Oh, of course. Yes, yes. yes. Great album. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited to, you know, drink at Bells, but then uh, get down to some good uh, Grateful Dead bluegrass music. All right, Pyromaniacs. So we're coming at you once again with episode seven of The Light. One thing, a bit of a pyro pro, and this is really Houdini's brainchild, but I've been helping out here and there, is a, it's a super tier matrix. And I believe this is going to be available for the pyro pros out there. And really, it's a, it's a tier with all kinds of numbers spelled out right in front of you next to the player. It allows you to see patterns and trends that you might have otherwise overlooked. For example, uh, Steve Smith. Last year, he was responsible for 41.7 of his team's red zone targets. However, he only caught one red zone TD out of his six. Um, now, I know Perriman's going to eat into those red zone numbers this year, but to me, such high production... I think his TDs are going to bounce back. And that's something that I recognized on the super tier matrix. And I, plus I think he's going to ride off into the sunset, like the Lone Ranger, not John Wayne at the end of Shane. So I certainly think Steve Smith is going to come back. And that's one thing that I noticed with the tier matrix. Uh, Houdini, this was your brainchild. Uh, what do you have to say about it? Well, so basically when I was thinking about this, the whole idea is that we've, we've, emphasize tiers on pyromaniac for as long as we've been around. So, but the idea is saying, well, what can I do with my tiers so that I can make them more defined so that I can really get into a, a point in time when I'm in my draft and I'm choosing between two players. 
where can I see all the quick information that really breaks down all the extra little bits so that I can make the more educated choice when it comes to a player? So um, that's why, for example, let's let's go through with the quarterback. Instead of just having the quarterback listed and you have him in your tiers, we're also going to give you his strength of schedule. We're going to give you his playoff strength of schedule because these are very important things that you want to know when you're deciding who to take. Obviously, the bye week. And then we're going to give you stuff from last year. So to give you an idea of what kind of player this guy was. This is pretty crazy for quarterbacks. We're going to give you his pass attempts, his rush attempts, and his fantasy points. But then it, we break it down because uh, this is where Mo came in and helped out. Came out with this awesome formula so we can give you points per touch. So why don't you go into that part, Mo? Yeah, the points per touch, you can do it for basically any position. But uh, it's great for streaming um, in season, and then you can look at how the quarterbacks did last season. But if you figure a touch for a quarterback is every time he has a pass attempt and then also a rushing attempt. So basically what you do is you add those two numbers together, their rushes and then their pass, and then you divide that into their total fantasy points. So, for example, Aaron Rodgers last year was .62, and then it keeps going. So basically every time Aaron Rodgers touched the ball, he gave himself .62 fantasy points. That is amazing. I mean, anything over five is really what you're looking for. So being able to look at the points per touch, especially if you are streaming is huge. It is so huge. Yeah. Let me, let me make another point here. When you talk about how huge that number is for Aaron Rodgers, it's actually 0.625, whatever. So you could almost slant them up to 0.623. Andrew Luck, okay. Had an amazing year. Only was at 0.515. (laughs) <laughs> right. So you can just see, you know, this gives you a, a much better, better gl- glimpse. But I want to cover a couple of the other categories that I think are really cool, too, especially here for quarterbacks. How about 300-yard passing games? Are you in a league that benefits from 300-yard passing games and you get bonuses or, or extra points when you get there? Well, isn't it good to know if a guy actually throws a lot of 300-yard games or not? You know, Cam Newton, he may be a great running quarterback, but if you don't get the benefit for rushing yards and it's all about 300-yard games, he only threw one last year. And, you know, so you got to be looking at guys like that. Tony Romo only threw one last year. So uh, we're also going to give you pass attempts that they did inside the 20-yard line. Yards per attempt. I love yards per attempt because this is where you really can see an effectiveness of a quarterback. When you get a quarterback, um, so again, let's use Aaron Rodgers as a key example. Uh, He was 8.43 yards per attempt. So that's not yards per completion. That's every time he's throwing the ball, he's averaging throwing at 8.4 yards. Um, you conversely can look at guys that, that are going to struggle, and then you can say, okay, well, maybe I, I, you know, Derek Carr last year, for example. Everyone, we're all feeling good about what Derek Carr is going to be able to do now that he's got Amari Cooper and, and uh, Michael Crabtree. But he was not that type of a, a guy last year, 5.46 yards per attempt. So, but that's when you can expect to go up. But do you expect him to go up into the seven and a half range, or is he probably more likely going to be about a six point six? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's so much data here. Offensive line. I mean, how are they doing as offensive line blocking? We we rate that. We give you the times sacked, and then that that's just quarterbacks. I mean, we continue with running backs, wide receivers, uh, tight ends. Again, we give you the rank, the player name. So for running backs. Strength of schedule, playoff schedule will give you their bye week, uh, ADP, uh, the amount of snaps, which is certainly important, um, rushing attempts, uh, receptions, the fantasy points will give you the points per touch, 
also runs over 20 yards. We even give you the longest run. Um, and then the offensive run blocking. You know, there's a lot of leagues out there that give you um, extra points for those big yardage runs and uh, big yardage uh, TDs. So if you can look very easily and see that Justin Forsett had 17 rushes over 20 over 20 yards, I mean, that's huge. DeMarco Murray, 15 rushes over 15 yards versus a Jamal Charles, he had six. So know your league, right? Absolutely. And But at the same time with Justin Forsett, here's a guy, 17 of them, but his longest run only went for 52 yards. So, you know, when you start looking at some of these guys, like Eddie Lacy, everybody's in love with Eddie Lacy. Well, Eddie Lacy only had last year eight carries of over 20 yards, and his longest only went for 44 yards. So... It gives you a better idea, you know, because a lot of times you want to have on your on your team that guy, or if you're in that long touchdown league, you need to have the guy who can break you the 60, 70 yard touchdown and give you these extra extra bonus points. So you know you can really kind of define who are the plotters, who are the real strike fast guys. Yeah, and with the wide receivers, one that I love is um, not only total red zone touchdowns. And then we give you total touchdowns, but we also give you uh, the percentage. As I said before, you get the percentage. So, for example, Demarius Thomas, he received 41.5% of the targets once they were in the red zone. That's huge. I'm mean, t- 41.5% when they're in the red zone. You know guys like that you can expect who are high pieces of that offense once they get in close have a good high likelihood of being able to score a lot of touchdowns here's what's interesting too so another guy that's dominant like that antonio brown 42.5 percent but conversely the guy who we currently have i think is our number two wide receiver on our pyromaniac overall collective tiers uh julio jones is either two or three 19.7 percent so that that's and that surprised me when I saw that because this is a guy who is a dominator in the red zone with his size and ability. So that number really stood out. Yeah, and, you know, he was a bit injured last year. I think that certainly had a lot to do with it. I'm certainly predicting him as a bounce back. But how about guys like Jordy Nelson and uh, Randall Cobb? They make up together more than 50% of their team's red zone. Uh, I believe it was 28% for Jordy Nelson and 27% for Cobb. I mean, and Cobb's numbers speak for themselves. They are looked to once they get in deep. Uh, Aaron Rodgers trusts them. He goes to them, and they gets the they get the points for it. Yeah, and I think the other key factor is when you look at, um, you know, when you're looking at a guy like Randall Cobb or you're looking at these these numbers and you're trying to decipher. So Randall Cobb, you know, it was 12 touchdowns that he had last year. Well, and you said 27% of the team's targets went to him in the red zone. That converted into 10 red zone touchdowns for Cobb. So what is that telling you? That's telling you a couple things, especially, again, let's talk about these long touchdown leagues. He's not giving you a lot of long touchdowns. 10 of his 12 touchdowns were inside the 20-yard line. So only two of them were, were, were longer distance touchdowns. But then at the same time, you want to look for guys, you know, so here's, here's the guy on the flip side if you want the long touchdown guy. Deshaun Jackson had six touchdowns. Get 16.9% of the targets in the red zone, had one red zone touchdown. Five of his touchdowns were 20 yards or, or 21 yards or longer. And most of, a lot of them were like 40 or 50 yards. So th- that's, that's where you, I, I really like using these, 
this tier matrix. And when you're sitting there and you can just pull up two guys, when your picks are coming up and you're looking at, you know, four or five guys that are really close, getting all this extra information is just, it's, it's crucial. It's, and it's, it's, and to have it all, you know, where it's not like you're having to go through a player page on each one. It's just, they're all listed. So they're all by position and, and you get a really good bird's eye view. Yeah. There's so many little surprising statistics and trends that popped up. Um, One being, you know, Mike Wallace, you always think of him as the long touchdown guy. Well, Nine of his 10 touchdowns came inside the red zone. Now, I know he's going to be in a completely different situation. We'll see how he's used in Minnesota. But little things like that pop up at you, and it's really surprising. Why was uh, Mike Wallace, I was able to trade him at a high point last year because they were going to him in the red zone. Tannehill, he, he doesn't throw the long ball, but he looked to Wallace in the red zone, and that's where he was making a lot of his points. Uh, so the super tiers matrix is going to be fantastic. Yeah, let me let's also look at like a, some interesting numbers when you look at tight ends too. So you know you're going to get the same type of situation here. So when you're looking at, for example, okay, the two tight ends that have traditionally been at the top of the uh, of the charts, it's always Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham. So Jimmy Graham had uh, ten touchdowns last year had 28.8% of his team's targets in the red zone, and all 10 of his touchdowns came inside the red zone. Now, Gronkowski, who only had six more targets, mind you, on the season than uh, Jimmy Graham, was only targeted, this is going to blow your mind, 17.2% of the time when they were in the red zone. You think of Gronkowski as they get inside the 10, it's going to Gronkowski, so you figure that number has got to be Oh, it's got to be at least 30, 35%, 17.2. Now, did that hurt him? No, because he still had nine red zone touchdowns out of his 12. But the other key fact uh, that when I'm looking at the difference between these two and why one stands out so much more than the other is the fact that you have receptions over 20 yards by tight ends. And Gronkowski was the far and away leader of the pack, 19 receptions over 20 yards. Jimmy Graham had eight. Another guy that stands out was is a Stags guy, Travis Kelsey, who had 87 receptions, <laughs> caught or, I'm sorry, 87 targets, caught 67 yep. of those, and had 15 of those 67 go for over 20 yards. And oh, he was a 19.1 percent in the in the red zone, but 15. That's that's huge. That's a big play with tight end. And, you know, we learned now that Kelsey was a bit injured last year. And so I have to believe that 19.10% of the team red zone targets, that number is going to go up. He scored uh, five touchdowns. All of them came in the red zone. That number is going to go up. So looking at this and knowing what we know about Kelsey, I think he's got, you know, uh, with a bullet, he's got a big arrow going up with him. And, again, that's the kind of thing that, that pops out at this. Uh, you want some touchdowns as a tight end guy, Greg Olson, 30% of his team's red zone targets. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. Julius Thomas, 36.6. I'm really interested. And of course, now he's injured. I don't know if we're going to see him for the rest of the preseason, but I'm really interested to see how he does on his new team. I, I think the Greg Olson one is really interesting because now that Calvin Benjamin is gone and you have it's going to be a rookie, Devin Funches, he might even see that thing go up to 35%. 
Yeah, that's something I'm going to bring up later. I got some numbers on that because we had some really great questions. In fact, maybe we can transition to some questions. Uh, one of them does have to do with Olsen and uh, the injuries there. But uh, last bit of info on the Super Tears Matrix before we move on to questions. The, the last thing is like another tight end that that's just kind of screams at you and you go, wow, it's kind of a, amazing. And, the, and you see he's always overlooked at the tight end position. A guy that you can definitely wait on in your drafts to grab is a Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker, you know, now he's going to have Marcus Mariota. Uh, the, the the benefit for him of having the the, the rookie struggles, uh, although it could be Zach Mettenberger, depending on how they decide to start the season, how, how Mariota started. But they're going to target the tight end. He was targeted 25% of the time last year in the red zone. And you talk about a guy that has big playability. He, he was one of the few uh, that had over 100 targets and had 13 receptions over 20 yards. So here's a here's a guy that's always a, a sneaky good play later on at the tight end position. Yeah, and I'm a streaming of a of a tight end kind of guy, quarterback as well. And the super tiers matrix, this is perfect for you streamers, you guys that uh, want to look at your matchups and take advantage week to week. This is something that is just fantastic. Yeah, and this will be available for for only Pyro Pro members. Uh, this will be part of your resource toolbox. So when you're on, uh, you know, go go to Pyro, become a Pyro Pro member. You'll be able to ask us any questions all the time. We will answer all questions 100% of the time for all of our Pyro Pro members. You guys are coming first and foremost because, you know, we switched the pay schedule. But uh, this is this is the benefit. Those of you who are, are the paying members are going to get uh, amazing, uh, amazing, amazing uh content from us and and an ability to to contact us at any time yeah last year it was just so hard to keep up with i mean many times we were you know five minutes before kickoff we are doing research and answering questions um even foregoing our own teams um and i'm still going to do my best we're all still going to do our best especially in the preseason. if you guys got questions go ahead and fire them away we're going to answer some questions right now i've been asking folks uh to reach out to me on twitter it's at pyromaniac mo p-y-r-o-m-a-n-i-a-c-m-o the regular boys can be reached on twitter is just at pyromaniac p-y-r-o-m-a-n the number one a-c and I've been asking people to reach out to me at Pyromaniac Mo and use the hashtag FFGOO, just like it sounds, F-F-G-O-O. And that way I can filter all the questions, and you guys can see some of the questions that have been there too. I've had some people email me. The first one comes from Kevin Clancy. Kevin Fantasy Pants Clancy, we'll call him. Now, he's got a pretty long question here, so I'm going to do my best to distill the info. But basically, he's in a high-stakes 10-team league, half-point PPR, six points per passing TD, and they start one quarterback, two running backs, uh, they start three wides, and a tight end. Now, they have one keeper, and it's a 10-team league. Now, Clancy is keeping Adrian Peterson. So arguably, he's got the best running back right off the board. And then pretty much you can imagine um, the rest that are being kept. He told me the rest, but it's all who you would think. It's like the top seven, yep, top eight, I guess, running backs. And then uh, Demarius and Antonio Brown. Oh, and Des Des Bryant is gone. And Des. Okay, so yep, top seven running backs and then basically the top three wide receivers. So just who you would think – 
he, through trading and purposes we may not even have the rights to get into, has acquired all kinds of picks. So the first, basically through the first four rounds, this dude has nine picks. Now, he essentially states that he's always been a late-round QB guy, even a late-round tight end guy. He's always loaded up on running backs and wide receivers, but he wants to know if he should stick to this strategy or... Since he's got so many picks, should he load up on guys, you know, quarterbacks or or take a Gronk early? Now, my take on this, and then I'll ask for yours, Houdini. Uh, I, too, am a late-round QB guy, normally tight ends as well. But you have to be fluid. You have to come um, take the draft as it comes at you. Take the best available. Um, he also asks about, you know, keepers. You're going to have so many picks. Don't worry about keepers for next year. I think you're going to have a hard time deciding on who to keep for next year. So although I'm normally a late-round QB guy, I say go with the Paul charging strategy of do the opposite, also called upside-down drafting. You've already got arguably the best running back with Adrian Peterson. Why not lock up Gronk, lock up a, a Luck or a Rodgers? That way you've got three top-tier guys. From there, I would put my eye towards wide receivers, get as many of those high-end positions as possible, and then Load up on running back lotto tickets. That that's the way I would go. How about you, Houdini? Yeah, I'm. I okay. So and he has the first overall pick, so he gets the the choice of everyone that's left after those top seven running backs and and three wide receivers off the board, and then he gets got the ninth and thirteenth picks. So he's got three of the top thirteen picks to come out of here. Um, so it's interesting where, where I fall into it. I still think that the fact that Julio Jones is sitting there on the board. Um, it's it's undeniable to me that there's there's after him you're getting a drop off into the uh, elite wide receivers. There's, you still got good ones in Jordy and AJ and 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 other guys that are out there, but Julio is in the tier with those three other guys: Des Bryant, Antonio Antonio Brown, and Demarius Thomas, who are already off the board. So for me, if I could have Adrian Peterson and Julio Jones, and then the, then know I have two more picks coming uh, at nine and thirteen. At that point in time, it gets interesting. If Gronk is still sitting there for me at nine, I'll take him. Um, Absolutely. Uh, He's a a consideration at first overall. But if Julio was gone, I would take Gronk. But with Julio still on the board, I think you've got to go Julio. Then if Gronk is still there at nine, you take him. If Gronk's gone, then you're going to go probably I would go another wide receiver or, again, as you said, you got to be fluid, so you got to see what's happening in the draft before you. Um, but if you, if the running backs that are left are, are not to your liking, you can wait. You have Adrian Peterson, so don't feel like you need to rush to grab a running back too. So 9-13, and 13, um, since they do start uh, uh, three wide receivers, I believe. So, um, Correct. I would maybe look to fill out my wide receivers right there if Gronk's off the board, and then you're you're set. You, you've got Julio Jones and two other wide receivers that are going to be in the top fifteen uh, of all wide receivers. So all your three wide receivers are top fifteen wide receivers, and you have Adrian Peterson, and you're going to be able to grab a quarterback later that's going to be effective. And you, your second running back is not going to matter as much, and you'll be able to get one because you'll at, at, once you get later into the draft, he's still got picks 20, 21, 23. I mean, the team, 30, 40, 41. The, the team is going to be loaded. So, yeah, but when you come out of there, though, 
when you get to, to the 40 and 41, at that point in time, that's where I think you grab your quarterback. And uh, if you waited on tight end, then you can grab maybe your first tight end there. But with 9 and 13, if, if uh, Gronk's gone, those are wide receivers for me, 20, 21, 23. I think one more wide receiver, two running backs out of there, and then probably another running back at 30, and then and then mess around with the quarterback around 40, 41. You can have a loaded team. <laughs> yeah. See, I think there's enough wide receivers. To, you grab that Gronk and a, a Luck, and you're still going to have a bunch of wide receivers. But I am totally with you whether you go for the wide receiver first and then a Gronk and a, a quarterback or a Gronk and type to your quarterback and then the wide receiver. I'm with you on that RB2 spot. That is the least of all positions that I'm really worried about. Think about it last year. I mean, it's a volatile position. Guys were coming out of the shadows. Latavius Murray, Justin Forsett, C.J. Anderson, you know, Asiata for a little while, Mason. There are always guys that can fill a running back number two spot anytime you want, especially when you're starting three wide receivers. Grab them when you can. And positional differential, I want a Gronk and I want a top quarterback. You've got the picks. Spend them. Well, let's just say this. Kevin Fantasy Pants Clancy Wiggum. Ah, well, you got a good team. You're going to have a good team. Don't worry about it. Chief Wiggum's on your side. You're, you're looking pretty good. It tastes like burning. <laughs> my Chief Wiggum. My, my favorite Chief Wiggum was the, uh, the singing to the dogs, and he's going, me, I've been singing off tune to make a mad. Me, mo, ma, me, 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 ma, mo. <laughs> and then he opens the door and they attack him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chief Wiggum, and I, I love uh, I love his little boy Ralphie. There, they make a heck of a dynamic duo. You choo choo choose me. <laughs> Next question, we've got uh, Steve Bosquet. I guess I'm gonna go with. Uh, he says he ended up with number two pick in a redraft PPR: one quarterback, two wide receiver, running back, tight end, and a flex. Number one seems to want Bell. No, your league, I suppose. He knows what he's the other guy's going to take. I'm thinking about AP, then double up on wide receiver. Looking at AJ, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Mike Evans, Hopkins, and praying for Jordy. Who do you see as top two of that group? Well, for me, it's uh, Jordy and uh, and Mike Evans for me. Um, I know I'm higher on Mike Evans than other people. You know, uh, if Staggs was on the show, he's going to be telling you Jordy and AJ Green. That's what I got. Um, and AJ Green, I have one spot behind Mike Evans. So I'm I'm the guy who's who loves Mike Evans. And again, if you're grabbing him there, and he becomes your because um, uh, I, I guess it would be the wraparound, right? So he gets two of them here. So you're gonna if you have Mike Evans as your number two, and if you're able to get Jordy, or if you have AJ and and, and Mike Evans, I think you're fine that way too. Jordy's gone, but my order is Jordy. Mike Evans, AJ, TY, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I go with AJ and Jordy there. Uh, I think they're the most proven, but I don't think you can really go wrong at Evans. The only thing you I might be able to nitpick with Evans, you know, rookie quarterback, although he's going to be a step up from the the dump st- dump truck stuff they had last year. And it's only a second year, you know, could slump a little bit, but man, that is a it's a touchdown machine. So whether it's AJ or Evans and Jordy, uh, I, I don't think you can go wrong. Moving to the next one from uh, at Strange Brew. This was on Twitter. And he's talking about Denver, and he's worried about Kubiak. He said, would you still consider CJ over Lacey? Uh, my keeper is already AP. Uh, to me, in Denver, Kubiak is not really my worry. By far, my biggest worry in Denver is the mediocre line, the mediocre offensive line that they are cobbling together. 
I love me some C.J. Anderson, but to me, Lacey is the safer bet in my book. Well, Lacey is definitely the safer bet in my book. Um, C.J. Anderson, I know when you got – I think we're kind of split. Um, well, or I'm the one who's a def- defector as far as believing in C.J. Anderson as much as Dog and, and Staggs are. Um, they are looking at him as a top four, top five court, uh, running back. And I'm just looking at a guy, okay, he's entering his third year in the league. He had a, uh, He broke out last year but he only had 179 rushing attempts. So he hasn't proven that he could be a 250, 260-carry guy and, and carry the load um, uh, and taking the heat. You know, he had, uh, at some point in time last year, he was really running off some huge games when, when Peyton Manning had the, the injury, and all of a sudden he had to see a vault in his carries. He had the first half of the season, he didn't do anything. So all of his bulk of his carries came at the at the end of the year, Um and he struggled for a while. So the first two games were breakouts, 27 carries, 167 yards, followed by 32 carries, 168 yards. Then the next game was 21 carries for 58, 29 for 85. And then he bounced back the last two games. But listen to the amount of carries, 18 carries for 83, 13 for 87. So he became a guy that they said, okay, I don't think he can be a workhorse back. When you see what happens when you gave him 20-plus carries for four weeks in a row, he started to decline his last two games, averaging less than three yards carry. So I'm just not as sold on C.J. Anderson. So Eddie Lacy, for me, you know what he's going to give you. He's giving you about an average of 238 carries. He's going to give you 11 to 1,200 yards. I'm I, People want to project him to, to, to blow up. I don't see him becoming a 1,600-yard guy. Aaron Rodgers has already given up a lot of the offense to him already. He's not giving up more with the amount of weapons he has in the passing game. But Eddie Lacy is your steady Eddie, awesome pick. And if you have Adrian Peterson, then you have those two guys. You're, You're guaranteed solid points with potential big weeks from either of those guys all the time. See, and Lacy is proven, but I'm right there with those guys. I think I've got... Uh, CJ, I think I've got him right about five. And starting at week 10, now numbers are always going to be different depending on where you look, but starting from week 10, he was basically the second best fantasy back. And in that time, he scored, if you round up 19.8 to 20, he had uh, from week 10 through week 17, he had six 20-point fantasy games or more. All that said, I think Lacey's going to have a heck of a year, and I think he is the safer pick. Let me, let me just say one other thing about C.J. Anderson. And I, lo- I love those second-half stats, right? Here's a guy that just ran all this stuff off in the second half. He didn't have the carries in the first half. What happens to the league after they've played te- eight, nine, ten weeks of football? The rest of the league is beat up. He was able to come in and take advantage being a fresh running back in the second half of the season. That's also why you see rookie running backs who are held off and don't get their chances until later in the year. It's called fresh legs. Fresh legs makes a difference. Now, he's going to be starting from the whole season – We'll see if it carries through. I'm just saying, Eddie Lacy's proven. You know what you're getting. Absolutely. Very interesting point there. I like that point with the fresh legs, and he was coming in half of the season. Uh, That makes me think, like I said, that offensive line really worries me. But uh, valid point there. We've got uh, on Twitter, Riggie O. He asks, does the Jonathan Stewart's impact increase after – um, so, well, basically, he's asking, um, does Jonathan Stewart, does he have a higher impact after the um, Kelvin Benjamin injury? He even asks about Greg Olson and uh, Chub Chub McGrub. Chub Chub, I love all the tweet action you've been giving me. I'm going to get you back on some of those questions. But he basically asked the same thing after the Benjamin injury. Who's going to step up? Now, my answer, 
Kelvin Benjamin last year took 28.3% of Carolina's red zone receptions. Uh, nine TDs, three of them came in the red zone. So that's one-third of the work. So they're losing that from Kelvin Benjamin. That production, which is 28.3 red zone, has to go somewhere. And I see it being split in two places. Greg Olson, who was already 30% red zone um, targets, who actually handled a bit more of the red zone work last season, of course. And um, he had five of his six TDs come in the red zone, as was Greg Olson. He will be a big beneficiary. The other beneficiary of the KB injury, I think, is going to be Jonathan Stewart. He took 29% of the team's red zone rushing. Um, four, he had four total TDs, three of them. 75% came in the red zone. I think they're going to have the biggest impact, um, the biggest increase. Uh, I'll be moving Philly Brown up slightly in my tiers, Cotchery to a lesser extent. And with Funches, I am not a believer in Funches, um, especially now with just guys like Philly Brown, Ted Jinn, Jericho Cotchery around him. One of my favorite stats about Funches comes from a pyro favorite, David T. Thomas, who was a lead scout for the NFL and has been since 1967. Funches... I'm sorry, David T. Thomas says about Funches. He just seems to lack the the tough physical style you would expect from a big receiver, having dropped 20 passes during his career. He made 62 catches last season, but that came from 103 targets, as opponents deflected 15 tosses out of his hands. Too many for a player whose coverage opponent averaged 5'10 in height. Funches is like, what, 6'4"? 6'5", so just think, to, yeah. 6'5". So just to reiterate, I, I think the, the biggest beneficiaries there is Olsen and Stewart. And I'm just going to put a plug in for my sleeper pick of Cap. That would be Cameron Artis Payne currently going in the 13th round, just in case Jay Stu has some injury issues, which he's had in the past. So what, what do you think about this uh, Kelvin Benjamin injury and who's going to step up and benefit? Well, obviously, Greg Olson is the number one beneficiary. Uh, I think that goes without saying, um, due to the fact that you have Devin Funches, who's a rookie, and non-dynamic receivers in Jericho Cotri and Philly Brown. Um, yeah, Greg Olson is the sure number one uptick guy. You're also going to lean a lot more on Jonathan Stewart. So Stewart's definitely going to see his role impacted as well. I'm I'm just differing on on the. I love David T. Thomas. So don't don't get me wrong, but the Funches thing for me is it's a matter of. Here's a guy that, that I don't think he probably worked as hard as he probably needed to in college. I think he was like going on natural ability. And maybe that's a problem. But at the same time, he's now in a situation where it's he's thrust into it. So it's not like you have to worry as, as a, uh, you know, you want to get, he's going to get learning under fire. Throw him into the frying pan. You're out there now, kid. You're starting no matter what because we need you. We got nobody else. And with his size, if he can learn – if, how, maybe hell, maybe Calvin Benjamin, while he's recovering, can just give him tips on how to box out a guy, and maybe he can improve and 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 do better. But as far as Philly Brown, I you know this doesn't affect Philly Brown that much. It's not like you're all of a sudden going to take Philly Brown and put him on the outside. He's he is what he is. He's going to be your speeder burner uh, coming out of the the slot that you're going to be moving around in the offense. Uh, Jericho Cotri. Maybe he gets an uptick just because of if Funches does have problems with those hands, then look, Jericho Cotter is going to be a guy that's going to go undrafted in every single league. He'll be a guy that'll be a waiver wire guy that, that someone's going to pick up after week one when he has seven catches for 72 yards and a touchdown or something for some weird type of game like that. And But you're never going to get a big game out of him. So 
the really the, the the main guy I think that really impacts is is Greg Olson. Here's a guy that was falling down my tiers and to the like to the, the four from the from being a number I had him at, at two at one point in time, then down to four or five. Now I think he might even go back up to challenging for two, but he's definitely number three for me all the way after Jimmy and Gronk. Yeah, Greg Olson, one of the few tight ends who had triple-digit targets last year, 123. You know, that's going to go up. Uh, using the super-tier matrix, he had nine receptions for over 20 yards. He was one of the, I think, only two tight ends who had over 1,000 yards uh, receiving. And like we said, 30% red zone targets. He, he's going to be a huge beneficiary. And just as far as those targets for him, the three years, the four years he's been in Carolina, his first year there had 89. Then in 2012, 104. 2013, 111. Last year, 123. This year, 135. <laughs> yeah, that's the trend you're looking for, right? That's that's the numbers that are going to put you apart from the other guy in the drafts. Remember, you're not drafting always on last year. You're looking for those trends so you can predict and get the guy while he's coming up, not falling down. And the other the other trend that you're looking for, well, once he got those more targets, well, are his yardage per catch going down? No. 12 yards per catch, 12.2 yards per catch, 11.2, 12 yards last year. The guy puts up numbers. I got a bit of a, this is kind of the last one here, and it's a bit of a uh, review slash question. Uh, This is from Bill Hardebeck. He says, you listened to episode six with Houdini and Pyromaniac. Well, great show. Makes me want my drafts to be here tomorrow instead of the end of August. Really good food for thought in that episode, and it put some info weapons in my arsenal for draft day. Episode 6 sounded way better acoustically versus 5. Thank you very much, sir. We've been working on that. Uh, He said the clarity is night and day. He says, I've got a question. I'm going for a three-peat championship. Congratulations there, William. Uh, Ten teams. I'm last pick, of course, with trophy in hand. One of our league rules is if you pick a guy up midseason off the waivers, um, you can keep him, but you have to give up your 12th round pick if he ends up on your roster at the end of the season. So he picked up Beckham in week three, so he's got to give up his 12th round pick this year. Well, that's rough. That's that's really rough having to give up a 12th (laughs) rounder for Odell Beckham. Okay, go on. We all feel your pain there, Bill. Um, So considering most of the... Top ADPs are going to be off the board when the draft starts, assuming the first nine picks go traditional. From 11 to 19 ADP, would you take a QB with the second round pick, again, 11 through 19, or would you wait till it comes round again in the third or fourth round, or maybe even wait any any longer? And he says, thanks, keep pumping out great info, Team Maze and Brew. What do you think? Well, number one, I think Team Maze and Brew is probably on my side with the Devin Funches. Probably, probably so. You never know, though. He could be—he could be one of those guys that uh, he saw him there, and he goes, "I expected more in college, and maybe he hates him." You never know. Um, I'm a, Loyalty dies hard at the U of M. Loyalty dies hard. I'm sure he loves him. Uh, there you go. Uh, I'm telling you to wait on a quarterback. I'm not jumping for a quarterback. I don't care. Um, when you have Odell Beckham, you're going to be able to stockpile the running backs and wide receivers. That is—that is the thing that we have learned through all of our mock drafting that we have done. Uh, Every every little every time that I look at the mock drafts, with the teams that are reaching up to grab the quarterback, don't look that much better. Especially when you're able to grab a Matt Ryan in round nine. 
uh, and still have a Matt Stafford going around 10 or around 11. I mean, there are quarterbacks to be had. So definitely, um, definitely wait, especially since it's 10 teams. 10 teams tells you you can wait. Stockpile all – because let's say that you want to then make a trade for Andrew Luck at some point in time. Well, the fact that you're going to have drafted the extra running back and wide receiver and have the benefit of an Odell Beckham who you have as your lock, stock, and barrel, and you can probably load up with another top receiver. What if you packaged a receiver and something else uh, and a quarterback to get the Andrew Luck for, you know, for Pitten's back? This is where you build so you can then trade. So – Put yourself in a position of power. There's enough quarterbacks that you can wait back on that also you could throw back to in a deal before uh, like an Andrew Luck or an Aaron Rodgers. That won't hurt the guy that much, and he's adding in another position. But you only give yourself that p- potential if you pass on quarterback. As the kids on the streets say, totes. I basically agree with that. Um, as you know, I'm a late round QB guy. Uh, you know, put it this way: all the five, the top five quarterbacks last year, they all scored over 300 points. No other position had a guy that scored over 300. So yeah, quarterback scores a lot of points, but they all score a lot of points. Much wiser to spend those earlier picks going without all elusive running back or a safe bet wide receiver guy. And think about this. Why not stacking? You could grab Eli in the ninth round, maybe eighth round. His current ADP is at the very end of the eighth. Stack him with ODB. Grab early wide receivers and running backs and have a kick-ass team. I'd be inclined to think you know there might be a Hill or a Gore that might fall, maybe a Julio, depending on last year. But I might be eyeballing Eli in the ninth, stack him with ODB. Not only that, let's say that you you stack yourself on all these running backs and wide receivers and you wait, like like Mo's saying, and you grab Eli at that later point. Well, what's even more amazing, you can do like what I did in our mock draft and uh, the, the Pyro mock draft. I bet you Tom Brady might still be there too. Who's not to say like I did and come wrap around and say, okay, I got Eli now and I'm going to grab Tom Brady in the next round. Four-game suspension, be damned, or whatever it's going to be. Now you are set at quarterback. Now you'll have two viable quarterbacks. You will have done your due diligence by drafting all your running backs and wide receivers for the first, uh, after your one keeping for the, the eight rounds or whatever leading up to that point. Right. And now you're loaded at quarterback. Now if you really want to make a trade for a top-end quarterback, you can do it and still have another one of those guys left. And you spent all your early picks building extra depth at the main positions that you need to have it. I hear you. I, I like it. I think we both uh, agreed there and gave uh, Mr. Harderbeck some good advice. Good luck on that uh, three-peat, sir. The next one, we're calling in uh, Terrapin Station, to quote the dead. Some rise, some fall, some climb to get to Terrapin. So we're talking about ADP risers and fallers. Um, and th- I kind of have my first one here uh, talking about Jay Ajayi. Now, this is a quote from Kevin Patra. He interviewed Tannenbaum, the Dolphins' VP, and Tannenbaum said, There are things we like about him, Ajayi, but if he can't pass protect, he will never be active. I don't care how talented he is between the tackles. If he can't pass protect, he won't be out there. Dang. Now, since this interview has come out, um, he has plummeted. He was about a month ago. His ADP was uh, middle of the 11th round. Now he's somewhere about the top of the 14th. Um, Another faller, DeAndre Hopkins. One month, he has fallen four spots. 
The following are some Twitter posts that uh, I had going back and forth with K.W. Schultz. Uh, he was asking about Hopkins, especially with the Foster news. And obviously, I think that's why he's fallen in his ADP. And Houdini might differ. I think we talked about this a little bit already. But um, Hopkins only had 13 red zone targets last year. There were 30 wide receivers that had 14 targets or more. Now they lose Foster, who was second in yards per game last year. Houston was 30th in pass attempts. I don't think defenses are going to crowd the box. And Alfred Blue, if that's who they go with, he was ranked in the bottom 25 out of 125 running backs for pass blocking by PFF. You know, without Foster, I just don't see him being in the red zone as much. And I think that's why Hopkins is an ADP faller. Uh, I'm, I am I hear you. I hear what you're saying. Uh, I'm with you. It's... It's a tough situation over there right now. Next one, this is my last faller, and another reason I love this guy, Cap, Cameron Artis Payne. In the last three weeks, he fell from roughly middle of the 12th to the top of the 13th. I, I don't. Um, I, I think he's going to be a fantastic pick. We all know Jay Stu's history. This is the guy, to me, that's going to step up and fill his spots. I'm picking him on all sorts of teams as a late-round flyer. Again, just fell from 12th round to 13th round. By the way, when I give all of these, I'm talking about 12-team leagues. Now, my risers, John Brown. Listen to the past few episodes, folks. I'm just spewing my John Brown love. But he has risen from middle of the ninth round to the top of the eighth, second pick of the eighth round in about the past three weeks, past month. Uh, Another big one that's rising, Marcus Wheaton went from the fifth pick of the 14th round about a month ago to the back end of the 11th round. That's huge. Um, I think basically with the news that Wheaton is going to be starting ahead of Bryant, uh, his ADP has really jumped. Now, interestingly enough, Wheaton only caught a two-point conversion in the team's first preseason game. They peppered Sammy Coates. So I'm wanting to see this rookie a little bit more. I kind of had Coates pegged as a bust. I'm really interested to see this Wheaton-Bryant, how this is going to mix Um, But certainly, I think with the news that when Big Ben came out and said that Wheaton is going to be starting uh, opposite Antonio Brown, that's why Wheaton was a a riser. And Bryant, he's been going up and down. Bryant, uh, one month ago, was ninth pick of the fourth round. Last week, he bottomed out at 5.5, so fifth pick of the fifth round. Again, this was after the news that he's only going to be out there on three wide sets. Now he's climbing back after people saw that first preseason game. He's Just get your eyes on this kid. He's got undeniable talent. He started the game off with a 44-yard touchdown pass from Big Ben, ended up with three of five for 55 yards in the one touchdown. So Martavis Bryant, he's still, despite the news, I'm still loving me some Martavis Bryant. Yeah, Martavis Bryant, don't believe all this crap that everyone else is throwing out there. This guy is the number two wide receiver on this team. He is the most dynamic receiver next after Antonio Brown on this team. Marcus Wheaton can't hold a candle to him physically. It's He may be out there for more snaps, Marcus Wheaton, but he's not going to end up with more production. So that that's where I leave on that. Let me let me throw one out there. And you, I don't know if you can find these numbers on where these guys have risen or fallen, but I, uh, guys that should be falling on your draft boards. Number one is is Brashad Perriman. 
um, who now, you know, love what his ability is going to be in the Ravens offense. But he's questionable for the start of the season now. He's got a PCL sprain in his knee, and um, that really hurts, especially when you're a rookie. So he's not going to be able to be out there uh, practicing in this preseason and getting all of the, the work and the, and, and the games that he needs. And so that's going to hurt him. If you have the information where he's fallen, go for it. Yeah, I do. Um, he's peaked. He peaked um, August 16th. He was the seventh pick in the ninth round. And as of August 22nd, wow. So once again, uh, August 16th, he was the seventh pick of the ninth round. As of yesterday, August 22nd, he's all the way back to the 10th round. So he is certainly one of the fallers. Let me give you another one. So another one would be uh, Sammy Watkins. And, uh, yeah, shut the door on Sammy Watkins, man. Uh, he's uh, he's got he's dealing with a hip problem, and you know this is also dealing with a a problem at, at the quarterback position. And the main problem there is that it looks like right now the the leader in the in the clubhouse is Tyrod Taylor. Now Tyrod Taylor is a scary proposition if you're looking for the wide receivers in this offense because. Um, He's a guy that will run with the ball. So as opposed to uh, E.J. Manuel or Matt Castle, who are going to be more of a throwing quarterback, the fact that you have Sammy Watkins dealing with a hip, and it's going to be Tyrod Taylor, who it looks like at this point in time, who was just as effective in their preseason game running the ball as he was throwing the ball, uh, lets you believe that Sammy Watkins should definitely be a faller right now in your, in your, in your ranks. Yeah, and I'm t- everybody's loving Tyrod Taylor. He is He's looking good, and as a Watkins owner – Personally, in my dynasty team, I'm liking it. Um, any other risers or followers to talk about before I bring up a recent survey I posted? Yeah, yeah. So another guy that I think should be a follower, I don't know if he is, you can check it, is uh, my boy here in Chicago, Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, he's dealing with the calf injury. He's uh, week to week. The Bears and John Fox are giving you, – you get no truthful information as far as what the, the, the length of the injury is. After the lies that we heard here in Chicago about Kevin White, this is one of those guys that I am really shying away from. Uh, I know that he has been as high as being – in some people's probably like around 11 or 10 best receiver. This guy, to me, I do not want him as my wide receiver one. Yeah, Alshon hasn't really fallen too much right now. Uh, 301. Um, yeah, a, a little bit. He was at, uh, I guess the end of the 12th, uh, about two weeks ago and about 301, 302. By the way, I'm using, uh, the fantasy football calculator. I really like this one. I do use fantasy pros as well, but fantasy pros seems to be a little bit behind. They take like a week or so to catch up on some of the news. Fantasy Football Calculator, you can tell it what you want it to use. Currently, I'm using 1,372 mock drafts, and I'm using it from the last two days. And then it gives you the data that projects back a month. So it's really, really up to date, and you can pick all sorts of guys and see how they're rising and falling. Um, I think it's a great tool for average draft position, fantasy football calculator. Let me just give you a couple of the rapid fire guys. Again, guys that for me, I can't, I, I, uh, I don't have the information like you, so I wish I did uh, at my fingertips right now. But we already talked about Greg Olson. He's definitely a guy that's going to be moving up in ADPs. Uh, Amir Abdullah, I know, has been a guy that has been becoming very popular and moving up. But a guy that I think has been falling, and I know has been falling, is Zach Ertz. And 
that's a guy that I think you should still be targeting. He's he dealt, he's dealing with the injury. He's probably going to be back, though, for the start of the season. They expect him to. And with everyone shying away, it's a tight end that you can wait on that could have great impact for you later on in your draft. Yeah, it looks like Ertz, he was early eighth round, and he has plummeted. As of yesterday, he's at the back of the 10th round. So in literally about a week, August 13th, he was middle of the 8th round. And August 22nd, he is back of the 10th round. That's a great value. That's a great value. Yep. And in about that same time span, August 15th, Olsen was top of the 6th. And now he is going in the middle of the fifth. So he's starting to rise. Eckert's starting to fall. And like you say, uh, who was the other guy you mentioned? Amir Abdullah. Amir Abdullah. I'll get to him in a second. But, man, people in Detroit are loving this kid. Um, I'm loving him more and more. I was a little skeptical. I know how Detroit can be. I thought he might break out maybe toward the end of the season. I wasn't sure he was going to get in as early as he is, but I am loving this kid and he is firing up my draft boards. Um, Right now, Amir Abdullah, if you go back a month, he was fourth pick of the sixth round and he is, he's almost breaking into the third round. He is the second pick of the fourth round. So (laughs) unbelievable. Now, would you take him? I love Abdullah. I'm a Motown guy. I'm not taking him in the third round. No, but I would take him in the fourth round if I have if I'm one of those teams that's picking in the first four picks where I'm going with a running back with one of my with the first pick. If I'm going with Jamal, AP, Le'Veon Bell, or Eddie Lacy, if I got one of those four guys and then I I come back and I'm grabbing two wide receivers and I'm waiting until the fourth round for the comeback, either the fourth or fifth, depending on what the team number one has, uh, you know, because again, be aware of that. Yeah, I like Abdullah there. As my running back too. Do I like Abdullah if I'm if I'm a, a team that went wide three wide receivers to start, and I got to pick you know who's going to be my wide, running back one? Do I want Abdullah as my running back one? No, there's too many question marks there. Uh, but at the same time, you pair him with one of those top running backs. It's a it's a could be a, a really awesome running back too to have on that team. Yeah, I hear you. Like top five picks, if I um, lock up one of those heavy hitter running backs, and then I wind up two wide receivers. I could go Abdullah in the fourth. I could totally see that. Moving on, we got a survey. Um, and a guest appearing not too long ago was one of my daughters. I believe that was a ballad breeze making a little guest scream appearance. And if you could see us on, on uh, camera, you would see her run behind me and her dad scooping her and running her out of the room hurriedly. Uh, but that was ballad breeze for those of you who heard her. Uh, now we've got a survey that I've been doing one. I'm going to ask you folks to help us out. We did the mock draft not too long ago. We did the mock draft on the pyro heavy, I believe it was show 189. We did a PPR and you can vote for that. You can vote on who you felt was the best team, um, the second best team, and then the worst team. That is currently pinned to my Twitter at pyromaniac mo. So if you go to pyromaniac mo, Pull it up. It's going to be twin there. You're going to be able to, it's going to be pinned there. You're going to be able to follow the link. There's a link to vote, and there's also a link so you can see our teams, how we drafted. And then you get to vote for, again, the first best team, the second best team, and then the end team. Um, We're asking you to do that. We'll we'll release the results in maybe a week or so. 
Um, that was the second survey I did. The first, Go ahead. Yeah, the, the one thing I want to say is that when you do look at that mock draft, and if you are going to vote on it, I believe it was one of Stag's teams that had Kelvin Benjamin on the team. Yep. Don't hold that against that team. Just imagine, because that draft was done before Kelvin Benjamin obviously got hurt. So mm. when you're judging and you're looking at that team, judge it on the sense that Kelvin Benjamin was going to have a healthy season. Yeah, things happen fast in the fantasy world. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what you guys uh, say out there. We're trying to get the numbers up, uh, but I will post those results very soon. The one we had some great success was uh, almost 100 guys did the survey. Uh, this was on top running backs. And if you want to see result, see the results, I just retweeted the link. So the last two tweets on at Pyromaniac Mo is the link to the PPR survey where you get to vote for your favorite, your second favorite, and the worst drafted team off the Pyro mock draft. And then the other one that I just retweeted at Pyromaniac Mo was the running back survey. Now this one, I basically listed the top guys, AP, Lacey, Jamal Charles, Lev Bell, Marshawn Lynch, Forte, C.J. Anderson, LaShawn McCoy, DeMarco Murray, Jeremy Hill, Justin Forsett. Now, at the time, I listed their ADPs, and that was all of the running backs who were in the top um, 25 ADP. That was just after the Foster injury. And then I asked who's going to finish you know, in the top five, who's going to finish as the top 12. So the highest confidence for the guy who's going to finish – in the top five, by far, is Le'Veon Bell. Now, he's kind of split with Adrian Peterson because if you add um, finish in the top 12 and finish in the top five, both of these guys break into the 90%. So Lev Bell had almost 80%. People think he's going to finish a top five. Adrian Peterson, 72%. People believe he's going to finish as a top five. Least amount of confidence was split as a top five running back. Matt Forte and Justin Forsett both had 5.38% as a top five running back. Um, finishing in the top 12, again, that's kind of skewed, but the highest numbers went to Matt Forte. Forte also led the charge in finishing as a top 24. People think Forte... Uh, 35 people, or I'm sorry, 37%, almost 38% of people think he's going to finish as a top 24 back. So perhaps the one running back who's going to bite you the most. Um, it seemed to be split between Forte and also Justin Forsett. A lot of people think they might, he might bite you as well. Uh, and then we've got finish out as a top 36. So we're talking as a flex player. Um, the guy who's going to finish, who the people out there, the pyromaniacs who feel are going to finish as outside the top 36, certainly Justin Forsett. People, where is the love? I love Justin Forsett, but we don't seem to have a lot of confidence in him. So looking at it, to recap, AP and Lev Bell are certainly have the highest amount of confidence, and I think the biggest busts out there, according to you guys, are going to be either Justin Forsett or uh, Matt Forte. I think we got yeah, pretty smart people that took that survey. Yeah, I'm going to be trying to do some more of these surveys uh, just to get people talking. Um, I'll release the results a little bit sooner so people can see them, and it's just a good way to get folks uh, active and get you pyromaniacs talking and tweeting to one another. 
Uh, so, a little bit of trivia to end. We've got just a little bit of time left. A little bit of trivia. Now, as we all know, Jamie Lee Curtis states that if you digest trivia, it's chock full of antibiotics, probiotics, and it's good for the digest... Oh, wait a minute. That's Activia. Activia! No, trivia. All right. Houdini, I got a trivia question for you here. Out of all wide receivers that were targeted at least 10 yards downfield, how many had a catch rate of better than 70%? I think you gave this one to me on the last podcast. Let's see if I get the answer right now. Eight. Well, there's a total of eight guys that were targeted more than 10 yards downfield. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think this made it on the air last time, but we did talk about Ah. it. There were eight guys. Now, this is great. I love yards per target as a stat, not yards per reception. That means when the ball is tossed. Where are they? How far are they down the field? There were only eight guys that were targeted at least 10 yards down the field. Now, the guys with the best hands that caught over 70% of those was ODB, Cobb, and here are the two that surprised you, Kenny Stills and Stedman Bailey. So, late round flyer, Kenny Stills, Stedman Bailey. They've got great hands, and if you're in one of those leagues that Reward for longer touchdowns. They may not have Sedman Bailey, certainly doesn't have the numbers, but he's running long routes. The other four who were targeted at least 10 yards down the field, Jordy Nelson had a catch rate of 65%. T.Y. Hilton had a catch rate of 65% as well. Deshaun Jackson, he was about 60%, and Martavis Bryant, 54%. Now, I think what's interesting there, when you when you have those other receivers and the two guys that are surprising, and Kenny Stills and Stubman Bailey, and Stubman Bailey probably the more surprising uh, of anyone in there, is yeah. the fact that at least Kenny Stills, he had Drew Brees last year, so you got a quarterback that can put the ball out there. Who did Stedman Bailey have throwing in the ball in St. Louis last year? That's ridiculous. Right, dump truck nothing. That's why Stedman Bailey, he might be one to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll see how the preseason goes, if they're actually incorporating him in into some plays. He's got to get his targets uh, to go up before I take a flyer on him. Um, so here's some smokestack lightning round questions. So not just trivia, but just something I want to know when you're going into a draft. Houdini, uh, what pick are you going to take Gronk? Well, Where are you going to take him? I, I, I think I'm not going to get him in, in most standard drafts because he's going in late first, early second in, in most of the mocks that I've seen. Uh, so that's just too early for me to, to take Gronk. Although I will say this. Um, I'm in a uh, a league, a keeper league, so you get to keep three players and every team gets to keep three. I end up having the first pick after the three keepers, which occupy the first three rounds. And my first pick is going to be Gronkowski, uh, who is uh, available in that league. It's between Gronkowski and Des Bryant. And the fact that I'll be already having on my team Jamal Charles, Matt Forte, and um, Brandon Cooks, I will then add Gronkowski as my first pick to that team. Yeah, now I've heard people out there saying that they're going to take him number one no matter what. If they got the first pick, they're going to go ahead and take him. That That is an approach. That's that upside-down drafting, do the opposite. But to me, uh, I'd take him early second round. 
Um, there's still a lot of running backs and wide receivers I like more than Gronk. Here's one thing you need to keep in mind when you're talking about taking Gronk that high. If you're trying to go back and you're trying to project him having the season like he did when he was awesome back in 2011, he scored 224 fantasy points. So you want to talk about taking him number one overall? Over the last five years, the, the top scoring running back has averaged 305 points per game. The top scoring wide receiver of all time is Calvin Johnson when he almost had that 2,000-yard season, and he finished only with 263 points so if you're talking about Gronkowski I know that you have the separation there but if you're talking about putting a guy as your number one overall pick that's going to give you the most fantasy points for your team you're not getting it from Gronkowski and that's why when you when you go down you may have the separation that looks great but on a weekly basis if you don't have a guy who can score as your top guy 240 250 points you know it 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 makes it tough for me to take him that high and as of August 22nd, at least, he's missing one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Tom Brady, for four games. That's going to have an impact as well. Absolutely. Another question. How many running backs must go off the board before you take another position? After those four running backs I mentioned earlier, for me, I'm going wide receiver. And ideally, I don't want to be picking in the first four picks. I'd rather not have one of those running backs. I just feel like I have to based on the numbers that I'm telling you about the top running back, and especially because which one of those four is it going to be? Who knows? Over the last five years, the top scoring running back, while it's averaged 305 yards, has been a different running back every single year. So I'd rather not have the choice of picking those guys. I'm hoping that I'm in the middle of the draft and I can go wide receiver. See, I've got five running backs that I would take. And then after those five are off the board, then I'm going wide receiver. But I want pick four or five because, like you say, you're not sure who's going who's gonna to do it. I think one of those five can do it. So I want to be able to take one of those top five but then have the quickest pick come back and around. So I like picking it if I could take my choice, number four or number five. Um, here's one for you. When you're building your roster, when you're building your team, So typical 12-team league, 16-man roster. How many spots are you filling? So how many quarterbacks do you fill? How many tight ends? How many running backs, wide receivers? Well, I would say as long as we're talking about it's a league where you can make weekly pickups, I think when I'm coming out of the draft, I want to really only have one quarterback and one tight end. And I want to spend those extra picks on – an extra running back and an extra wide receiver for my team. And you want to have as much depth as you can in those skill positions and knowing that there's depth at quarterback and a tight end and knowing that you can stream those positions if need be. Um, that's where, you know, I'm not going to worry about, about really building extra depth at those positions because how often are you able to, to, to even in trades to, to take that, <laughs> how beneficial is it to have those extra players at backup quarterback and a backup tight end? It's not because when you're trying to make a trade, it's better to have that an extra running back and a wide receiver. Then you can entice more and you have more more options to throw it at teams that they're interested in. I, I love seeing those guys in my leagues that have you know two tight ends, two defenses, two kickers. I love that because it means more fodder for me. Uh, in most leagues, I want one quarterback, one tight end, one D, one kicker. And then depending on how many wide receivers can start, I'm going to have t- maybe two more. So if three wide receivers start, I'm probably going to have about five wide receivers. And then give me all running backs. Load up on my running backs. Does Andrew Luck, we talked about this a little bit, I think, on the um, the mock draft. Has Andrew Luck has never had a wide receiver that's caught double-digit touchdowns. Does that change this year? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> it's going to be close. 
For me, the wide receiver who would do it would be T.Y. Hilton. Um, I, I think that you have to remember that the tight ends there have accounted for so many touchdowns for Andrew Luck. It's been, you know, they don't get a ton of receptions between Dwayne Allen and Kobe Fleener. Fleener got more receptions, uh, but Dwayne Allen was the ultimate red zone type guy with all of his touchdowns uh, that he scores. So the fact that they're kind of saying that now that they have Andre Johnson and they want to go to these more spread sets with Philip Dorsett and Dante Moncrief. Um, I think maybe that pushes some of the attention away from all the tight end touchdowns that we've seen over the last couple of years. And again, I'm not buying into Andre Johnson. I think Andre Johnson helps to free things up a little more for T.Y. Hilton. Again, I think that Frank Gore and a, a true establishing of a running game will also help free up T.Y. Hilton. So I'd say it's a 65% chance and I'll take T.Y. Hilton on a 65% chance. I'll take T.Y. Hilton, too. But think of all those names you just listed. And, you know, even in that preseason game, they were throwing at Deron Carter. There's just too many mouths to feed, or in this case, too many hands and, to, and too few balls to catch in the air. Uh, you know, Pep loves to run a lot of times. Um, although that they are one of the higher passing percentage teams, they run when I think they should throw many times. I just think there's too many guys there. Uh, it's why I, one of the reasons I've got luck is my number one quarterback. But I, I agree. If someone's going to do it on that team, it's going to be T.Y. Last question for you, sir. Which teams are you avoiding altogether for fantasy? You know, what position? So is, are there some teams out there that you are finding yourself, you don't have anyone on their roster, or maybe you've got one guy. Yeah. Which teams are you avoiding? I'm avoiding Tennessee. Uh, don't want any of the Titans. I'm avoiding the Browns. I uh, do not really want any of the Browns. I guess Isaiah Crowell is maybe one guy that I would consider, but I would hope that I just don't have to have a Brown on my team. Um, even with all the, the changes and things that are going on, I don't believe in it. I'm staying away from the Jets as well. Uh, that's another team that I'm just not not into. How about you? Yeah, I second uh, Cleveland. If I have to go with someone, I'd probably take Duke Johnson, but I'm not into it. Just saw their coach. Basically, uh, uh, Duke and West were out, and he was getting on uh, the running back saying they they need to step up and they need to take the lead when they got a chance. Well, it was obvious who he was talking about. So it's just it's running back by community there. I'm not sure who's going to do it, but if I'm going to take a flyer, I'm going to go with Duke Johnson. I suppose. Um, also staying away from the Titans. Um, Bills, they're looking up. You know, I, I do have Watkins, but they scare me a little bit. Texans, you know, I, I know everyone loves um, Nuke Hopkins, but with uh, Foster out, I, I doubt I'm going to have any of those guys. Um, Titans, you know, I, I might do a Cobb, but I just haven't seen enough of them yet. Um, also the Rams don't think I'm going to have any of the Rams. Uh, I'm probably not going to pay for Gurley where he's going and maybe fools in streaming. But other than that, I don't think I'm going to have a Ram. I, I think when it, what this comes down to it's that I, you know, there's a lot of these teams that maybe you'd want to have one guy on, uh, or, yeah. or whatever the case may be, but they're not guys that you really want to have as a bona fide starter for you. So I think it's, you know, these are guys that you're right. picking up later in your, in your draft and, and hoping that, uh, you know, they're they're in backup type roles. So, um, you know, it goes back to power and numbers. You want to be drafting players on the power and numbers teams. Yeah, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Indy, but they're going to score a lot of points. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of mouths to feed in Green Bay, but they're going to score a lot of points. Um, same thing in Pittsburgh. They're going to score a lot of points. So grab these teams that have 
the the players all across because all those good players will help make everyone else better, and that's why they score more fantasy points. Yeah, that leads me right into a, a pyro promo. Pat Thorman, uh, catch my interview with him. Uh, he was talking about using Vegas against itself, so looking at teams that are projected to score a lot of points. I also have a video interview with Matt Waldman. And then coming up on the horizon, I've got an interview with Matt Harrison from League Safe Post, and he also is one of the co-hosts with Paul Chargian on Fantasy Football Weekly. And right after that, I've got an interview with Sigmund Bloom. I've talked to Sig before and Harrison as well. Sigmund Bloom, of course, is from Football Guys, so stay tuned for that. As always, folks, uh, we appreciate reviews. You can find us on iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher. And I've had a lot of uh, tweets, a lot of people asking about the Pyro Pro League. I know D-Rex and I believe Staggs is working on that. Um, we did have Jared Tabor. He is the Lego man. I confirmed it with D-Rex. He is about the only guy I believe that's confirmed in. He's the one that sent us the cool uh, Lego Pyro sign. Uh, we did accept Tabor, so he is in for sure. I double-checked with Derek, but uh, Jared Tabor's been uh, asking about it, and he's in for sure. So stay tuned for more about the Pyro League. Well, folks, this is going to wrap it up and bring it to an end. Houdini, two in a row. It's been a pleasure. Back-to-back, back, like getting it done. Got to repeat the championships. All right, my friend. I appreciate it, and I appreciate all the pyromaniacs out there. Stay tuned for more pyro goo coming at you soon.